Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com slash BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com slash BS101 and enroll now. So hey, everybody, welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I'm your host, Philip Van Dusen, and I'm here today with James Martin. And James lives in Southampton in the UK and is the founder of Made by James and also the co-founder of Baby Giant Design Company. He grew up a creative, developed his skills in illustration, became a teacher, and then a tattoo apprentice. After 15 years in the design industry, he's now focused on brand identity, logo design, and nurturing new designers to find their path in the creative industry. His clients include musical heavy hitters like The Chainsmokers, Michael Ray, Carter McLean, as well as other brands including Bishop Slayer's Oyster Stout and Plastic Freedom. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Michael Janda, who's a mutual friend of ours, who actually introduced James and I on Instagram and suggested James come on the show. So thanks, Mike. And James, welcome to the show. Phil, it's a pleasure. And yeah, big old Mikey Jandaruni. He is a um, he's a great human. So um, what a lovely what a lovely connection that is we both have. So um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat. Cool. Well, why don't you why don't you just give our listeners just a little tidbit about your personal life to kind of let, help them get to know you a little bit better? So a little tidbit about my personal life. Yeah, um, I stopped drinking. That's pretty big. I'm sober. Um, so that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's a big thing for me being an English lout. Um, yeah. you know, we love a, we love a binge drink on the weekend. So yeah, I'm, I'm now five months sober and it's helped life tremendously. So, um, there you go. Well, that's I'll say something tidbit. that I've never shared before. I am actually 33 years sober. So love that. I got a little time on you, but I totally understand where you're coming from. It just happened to me a little bit earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a game changer for me, yeah, I must admit. Um, it absolutely is. It, it, it's really changed everything. 
everything. So yeah, congratulations on 33. I'll try and catch you up. I will catch you up. Yes, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to, after we get off, we'll have to have a little conversation about that. Um, yeah, that. Okay, so man, so you started off, we have something in common in the fact that we both start off as teachers. I actually have my master's in painting and started off as a fine artist and started teaching, drawing, painting. Um, so you started off a teacher. Explain a little bit about what that was like. Tough. Yeah, um, yeah it was tough. I think. I feel you. Yeah, I think I was too young at the time. So mm. when I came, you know, I was kind of fresh out of fresh out of college, uni, wanted to do teaching. I thought that was good. I thought that was my mission. Uh, so, I was, so I was early 20s and got a design agency job and then still did some teaching then as well. But I, I think I was just too young. I didn't know enough. Um, I wasn't ready for that responsibility. And I knew straight, I knew straight away. I knew when I was in there, I was teaching art and design to 11, 12, 13 year olds. And I was only 10 years, a little, just over 10 years older than them. So I think the, the age gap was a bit of a problem. Um, my mindset, I was a very, I was very different. I was at 20. I was a very different man to what I am yeah. almost 20 years later today. So yeah, I think, I, I think teaching's always been there for me. I love sharing and giving time, but I just think back then it wasn't the right thing for me. It wasn't the right situation. Life wasn't aligned quite right for it yet. But I think that's maybe why I'm slowly dipping back into it now with a bit more, I know myself a little bit more and I know my voice and I know how I want to talk to people and share with people. So yeah, I think finding myself has allowed me to be a bit more comfortable with that slight coaching educator kind of role that I'm trying to play at the moment. So yeah, and you also yeah. have a lot more experience, a lot more you're road tested now and you have more, you know, more to share of real value to creators oh, to help them in that journey. Right. A hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. I've made, many mistakes that I can share openly. And I think that's, I think that's the fun stuff, isn't it? It's the, yeah, yeah. It's the learning by doing and failing and then being able to apply that um, moving forward has been, you know, I've, I've always been a big trier. I've never been scared of trying stuff and I've never been too scared of failing. It's obviously always there. There's always the chance that it's not going to happen, but I'd much prefer to, to try then sit back and go, what if, you know, I'm not really a what if kind of guy. So I've always had this quite bullshy nature of just going straight at it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So um, it's always a good thing. Yeah. And so um, we'll talk about some of the, the challenges a little bit later, but, and then you jumped into being a tattoo apprentice. So what's the tattoo industry like? <laughs> tough again yeah. <laughs> so yeah i think i mean i'm i'm personally quite heavily tattooed and i think i think when i was going through my um searching phase we'll call it you know what do i want to be where do i you know i knew i wanted to do something creative whether it was teaching it was teaching art tattoo artists creating art drawing i've always been an illustrator and drawn from a very very young buck um and so I, it was just it was just one of those things where I was in my, I was working at an agency again at the time. And it was something I was doing. It's like a side hustle because I loved getting tattoos. So I thought, well, I must want to be a tattoo artist. Maybe that's what I want to be. Um, 
but it wasn't the case at all. Again, it was, I knew very early on that, you know, something that you have a passion for doesn't necessarily have to be what you do for the rest of your life. And I think I was happy to leave that where it was, which is something that I enjoy myself, but not something that I want to dedicate mm. my life to. And I don't think I was, you know, sometimes quite early on, you think, I just don't have, you know, I don't have enough about me to continue to a place where I'm going to be good enough to be as good as I want to be at this. Mm. I didn't have that drive to do that in that particular space. Um, and I knew that luckily within a year. So I was kind of like, done it. At least I've tried. Move on. <laughs> Go back so, to design. So how did you move on? What was the what was the next fork in the road? What did that look like? Agency. Agency. So, yeah, that was so it was yeah, agency work working for a company called Irish Media, which are unfortunately no longer around anymore. But yeah, so it was they used to build a lot of tech. It wasn't like your traditional design agency. It was it was more of a kind of um I suppose an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space within the tech industry. So it was creating like messaging apps, you know, and creating all the branding and graphical elements for them. So they would, the owners would have their own projects and also work with other agencies and do work for other companies, but they'd also have their own personal projects, which they would then sell to people. So it was heavily, you know, doing a lot of that work and then working for other people. And that kind of was my first, you know, my first insight into the design world of like how it works pricing, speaking to clients, client meetings, deadlines, you know, before that it was, I just draw and I want to draw and it's great. And I'll go and get a tattoo of that drawing I did. This is great. Uh, and I'll make loads of money. Um, but then, yeah, the real world hit me hard in the face and it was great. I mean, I, I've, I've always been a firm believer that I know it's slightly different now. We're talking like 15 years ago. I know it would have been slightly different for you going, growing up as well, but I was always taught you know, agency work is such a, like a good foundation for a designer of, you know, learning the trade. And, but obviously nowadays with social media and everything, it's just straight to freelance when you're like 18, 19. And I'm like, if I had done that when I was 18 or 19, I would not be a designer anymore. I would have just given up. Yeah. And you don't years. I mean, and that's a realization I've come to really in just the last few years, actually, because I spent my first 15 years in the fashion industry on the client side and then made the switch to agency um, about, you know, 15, 20 years into my career. And then at that point in my career, learned about strategic branding and client work and proposals and, you know, pitching and all that sort of stuff that was actually very late. But I understood the client side really deeply. So that totally helped me in the agency world. But so, and and now so many people do make that jump or want to make that jump into independence right away. And they don't have that history of understanding the inner workings of an agency and finance and the whole business side of it, right? So is that, how long were you in the agency world? And, and is that where you learned your business understanding? A hundred percent. Yeah, it was... Um yeah, I mean, it's where I learned the mistakes. You know, I, I was, I've, I've always been quite curious, which has always helped me, you know, not all the time, you know, when it comes to fights down the local pub, you know, that's, that's never a good time to be curious. But, you know, when it comes to kind of like learning industry and design and all the rest of it, I mean, watching, I mean, I think that's the biggest problem nowadays is, 
this kind of shortcut to a creative freedom life is painted mm. across social media as this very accessible world. Um, but it's not really enough to be a creative. You know, it's not enough to be just good at drawing or it's not a, enough to be just a great logo designer or a letterer or a brand strategist. Because if you don't know how to market, know how to price, know how to sell, know how to do all these other things, um, you're going to be lost, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, agency work was integral to my development, um, you know, a for my own business, but even now starting my own personal brand, you know, what I've learned over the last, you know, decade, 12 years of having baby giant design co. And then, uh, five years prior to that of being at my, the first agency, like everything, you know, is kind of all of those early years is what mold is what molded this, this kind of bearded idiot you see today. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all learning, but which is why I always try and tell people, you know, if you can, even if it's a year or two years work within a team, yeah. work within an agency, you know, even just things like, you know, I mean, I've always been quite comfortable with talking to people, but that comes through, being in front of people and talking to them, you know, at client meetings and sharing your work and you're proposing your ideas. And I speak to a lot of young creatives now who, who are scared, scared rotten of speaking to clients. And I'm like, well, how, how on earth, how on earth are you going to get any work if you can't speak to clients? So yeah, it's kind yeah, of, I a, think that's, it's a double, it's, it's almost like a double whammy. Cause not only were we like more at the beginning part of social media. So we had more, I think in a certain extent, maybe I'm talking out of school, but had more base interpersonal skills. And then I think some of the people coming up now have relied so heavy on texting and social media and digital communication that they don't have as many of those base personal communication skills that we had, you know, working in agencies and with with clients and, you know, designers who worked for us or whatever. And so they have not only less of an understanding of how to communicate in general, but also a little less experience in in that kind of one on one communication that that drives everything that we do in working with clients oh yeah one million percent yeah and i've you know i am so thankful that i grew up in a in a as a designer without social media mm, i am me too. so so happy about that um you know i remember you know i know you're a little older than me but just a tiny bit older tiny, but you know just well, a little tiny, tiny just a just a little twinkle you know but you know like walking to go into interviews with my a3 like printed out portfolios and you know knocking on doors you know to try and get work and you know, going to see the local pub or the local restaurant and asking them as like a rubbish designer who had no, nothing to offer anybody but was just out trying to do something you know you know and, but nowadays it's this like we talked about it's, it's the shortcut isn't it it's and, I, and like you say when especially when it comes to the personal interpersonal you know you know i think that the kind of interactions you have you know like it said like i i remember having to you know dial up was kind of I remember is like internet there's no point going on the internet because it took too long so um <laughs> yeah you used to spend a lot of time going out with friends and talking with friends and also spending a lot of time with friends and their parents you know and that interaction says lots of peer interaction and age gap which you know, shows you know 
like a lot of respect when it comes to you know they are above me being polite and all the rest of it whereas i think right. now it's kind of like this big kind of washing machine full of just people saying whatever they want to anybody even if they know them or not <laughs> which is which is is crazy isn't it when you think about it so yeah i am blessed and so thankful that i grew up in a in a world where and grew up yeah important years like 10 to you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, teens, important years where it was about interaction rather than social interaction. I'm so happy and I'm worried for what's happening, but I'm not going to get all old man on this <laughs> podcast. So, um, yeah. Well, good. if you're going to get old man, this is the place to do it. So maybe we will <laughs> at some point. So you obviously at some point in your agency life, you either hit a wall or had an epiphany about like time to go out on my own. What did that look like? So, so this was from the original agency start the to baby giant. Yeah. So when you left in? someone yeah. else's agency and started your own. Yeah, I've always been, I've always, I've always been fairly independent, and I've always, I've, I mean, my father was, you know, a freelance electrician. You know, mum was a nurse. So I've always, you know, you know, I've always, my my mum would work nights, my dad would work during the day, then they'd swap and all the rest of it. So I've always grown up with this quite driven work ethic that you know you kind of get stuff done to put food on the table and to support your family i've always been grown i've always grown up with that kind of psyche um and been given that by my parents which is brilliant um but so watching dad you know and his journey you know as an independent electrician and obviously going off and working for other people as contract work and all the rest of it um i've kind of I suppose it's kind of like been subtly ingrained in me that working for yourself is something and a lot of my friends have always worked for themselves and their family members have worked for themselves and all the rest of it um so for me i think it was a it was naturally going to happen um, i've always wanted to work for myself i've always i mean the amount of small business i mean i first started my first very first agency point nine design which lasted about three months because it had no clients and then shut down. I've had failed t-shirt businesses, notebook businesses. You know, if, if you name it, I've tried it and I failed at it, but I've always had this urge to do something for myself, you know, trying to, whether it was selling my artwork or making a quick side buck on this or on that. I've always had that about me. and. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. When I got to, so I started Baby John at 27 um, with my mate AD, so we co-founded it together. And I think it was just one of those natural progressions like we were both looking for work at the time you know I didn't have a wife or family then um, I mean I have a wife now I don't have a family but you know as I know so it was kind of very much like 
is either it's almost like this now or never mm. you know if we don't try it now we're both going to get into another design job and then we might be there for another five to ten years say by that time we'll be married you know, we'll have mortgages, we might have kids and all the rest of it. And so I think it's easy, more sometimes more difficult to get out when you're already, when you've got those responsibilities because you're thinking not so selfishly as, as we were back then. So, yeah, we kind of just said, look, let's give it two years. If it doesn't work, we can go and find work. You know, there's always work around we can go and find. So we tried, it didn't go well but we just kept on trying, you know, and it wasn't until year four, five, where we started to see some real money come in. We had, we were making enough money. We had clients, we started with none, but then we started to get two, then we turned to 10, then 20, and then, you know, growing, growing and growing. And, you know, I think, I think I'm, I always, I think it was, I always want to say, I always wanted to be in the creative world, always wanted to be a designer. Now it's kind of got through all of those dips as they're called, you know, where it's kind of like I either give up or, and do something else, or I try and get through and see what's at the other end. And as soon as we got through like year six, seven, eight, nine, it's just, do it just keeps doing that now um like even through covid we were very lucky you know we kept we grew over covid you know um um so we're very blessed about that but i think it's yeah i think it was just the timing if anything if somebody said to me now start an agency and to be fair i'd probably still do it because i don't have kids yet so <laughs> i probably mm -hmm. would still do it but you know i think it was just timing and just a slight urge inside me that i always wanted to have that independence and luckily for a bit of grit and determination and resilience, I suppose it, it's kind of ended up all right. So now you've started to, you, you've developed quite an audience on Instagram. You have, you know, over, I think 200,000 followers at this point. I mean, big following. So you are now diving deeply into content. Do you use content marketing or developing content to uh, to promote your agency, or was that just a natural transition? Was it something that was more conscious uh, conscious in terms of how you went about it? Um, talk about your early forays into into social media and content. Well, yeah, originally social media for me was pictures of my dog and me drinking a beer around the fire, you know, I thought, and pictures of my food. I'm sure that was what everybody was using Instagram for. Um, but then I read um, Show Your Work by Austin Cleo. Um, and that book changed stuff for me. And I started to have a different friend group then. I started meeting a few different people who are a bit more driven. Um, and they were always like, oh, you know, you're quite a good designer, you know? And so the mixture of like reading that book and I wasn't a good designer back then. I was shit. So don't, <laughs> but you believe them, you believe them but and yeah, it drove you yeah, forward. They gave, exactly. They gave me a bit of yeah. confidence to kind of go, you know, well, maybe, you know, the classic creative in you is like, everybody's better than me. I'm not as, I'm not that good, you know, self doubt, imposter syndrome, all those kind of things. But yeah, red Austin clear. And then it, for me, it was, like social media was a mistake really so it wasn't necessarily a mistake sorry but yeah i went from changing sharing pictures of my dog to reading that book and then thinking do you know what there's not really many people sharing 
especially within the brand identity and logo space, which was something that I really loved. And that was slowly moving into as a niche. Um, there was nobody really sharing sketch work or how they came up with their ideas or their thinking. There was loads of fantastic logo designers and logos out there, but there was very difficult to understand how they got from nothing to something. So I just kind of thought, do you know what? I mean, but for a long time, I didn't do it because I was thinking, I don't want people to steal my ideas. I don't want people to steal my unused sketches. I don't want people to do this. And I just decided not to care about that. And through that non-caring and sharing, that rhymes, by the way, yeah. Um, <laughs> by, yeah, by, by sharing more and more and more, I started to gain an audience who started to enjoy my I, the way I thought the I, the sketches and from that it's just kind of grown and grown and grown and you know I'm so glad I got over the what I would call ego you know five five six years ago now I can't even remember because that's when Made by James started before I was Jamalicious I changed to Made by James I thought Do you know what I'm going to use social media to try and get clients and to share my process. That what it wasn't to gain followers, it wasn't to get likes. It was like get clients. There's just to get clients. Every yeah. all the stuff I share now is to get clients. I mean, it's not. There's not. You know, it's disguised. It, people might think, "Oh, you share that for designers," but you know, a lot of clients come. They see my process. They see my work. I don't pitch for anything. They go, "I like what that guy does. How much? Let's do it." You know, so everything I do has a plan. You know, and it is to make money. You know, whether that is now through slightly different now. So maybe whether it's like coaching now or the book or, you know, I've got a logo course that's coming out. All my all my content is now geared. There is a strategy behind it. It's not just kind of like chuck it out and see what happens. Well, to be fair, at the beginning, there's still a little bit of that going around. But, you know, for me, it is it was just a natural thing that kind of started to gain traction. And I'm like, what the way I've been sharing, I haven't I haven't followed kind of the trends that I've, I've kind of stayed, I've always tried to stay quite true to myself. So mm -hmm. it's always quite heavily hand drawn. I show a lot of my sketches and that's how what I did five, six years ago. And I've just developed and evolved with Instagram, for example, like with reels or with carousels or whatever, but the crux of it's still there, you know, and it's still the strategy is, is to, share my work because I know if I share my work and I put it out there, people are going to see it. And that's either going to be people who want to learn from it, or that's going to be people who want a piece of it. If you know what I mean? I do. So, um, I totally yeah. do. And so you, I mean, I started doing content for the same reason to get clients because I'm very much of an introvert. I'd been working in big agency, big industry for 25 years. And then suddenly I was on my own and I was like, I don't want to pitch clients. I don't, I also don't want to work with the fortune 500 who I'd been working with. I wanted to work with smaller yeah. companies and entrepreneurs. And I was like, none of my network are going to help me get those clients. I got to do it myself. So that's why I started content. And I just thought I'll just share everything I know about branding, design, business, and someone will recognize it and hire me to do strategy and design work. And it totally worked. But the interesting thing is, is that then in sharing all that, I gathered this audience of creative professionals. And so now, and I'm going to ask you about your, how you manage this, because I just want to frame it on my own experience, which is that I have 
you know, I, sh- I share content for entrepreneurs and small businesses on um, process and strategy and marketing and all that sort of stuff. But then I also share a lot of information for creatives on career development and finding their own path. And those are two, you know, that's a Venn diagram that intersects in some ways, like this podcast does in certain ways. But though there are, they are also different subjects. So you obviously have a lot of creatives who are following you on Instagram and are like hanging on your every sketch to be inspired. But by the same token, you're doing it still, you say, consciously to attract clients. So when you do a carousel, are you gearing that carousel to something a client cares about? Or are you doing, gearing it towards something that a creative professional needs to develop their career or build confidence? How do you find that balance between uh, your audience? Because you look, you have two audiences, essentially, right? Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, but I mean, I, I've seen the power of the human side of design um so whether it is so let's take the work let's take the logo projects i share for example like my clients are paying me to create content that's the way i look at it they pay me to do a logo but i get to share that to get more work i mean it's that this beautiful symbiotic relationship it's fantastic you know but i also like to think that the kind of slightly more honest and raw posts that i talk about you know i talk about you know my sexual i was sexually abused as a kid at school you know my struggles with ivf with my wife you know um my process you know my thoughts you know not always the thoughts that everybody else has that everybody follows my personal thoughts even those even that kind of content that i share i think allows me to be more human and I think people want to work with real people. They don't want to work with some flashy dude who keeps going on holiday, telling them how much money they're making. People don't, people don't like that. Um, and this is what I've, I've, whatever I try and do, I try and be very authentic and honest about who I am. You know, I swear a little bit. I make spelling mistakes. I'm covered in tattoos. You know, I'm not going to be for everybody. Um, and the, some of the stuff I share will make some people feel uncomfortable. But those are the people that I don't necessarily a want following me. If that if it does, that's fine. You don't have to follow me, or if you don't want to. But also, I want my clients to know who they're getting involved with. So even the stuff that's not design related does paint a very good picture. You know, so when people come and I mean, I work with people and they're talking to me about some of these posts that I talk about that their struggles with IVF or, Mm. you know, their dog, you know, their dog. I'll do a story with my dog in the woods. They're like, oh, did you enjoy your dog, your walk with your dog? I think, I think what sharing that stuff outside design, the real life stuff, makes you a little bit more approachable, a little bit more human. And people like that. So even like, so when it comes to content strategy, I am doing it a for, I suppose, for a few reasons, or maybe list two reasons is to, if somebody else is going through the same struggles that I am, I hope it helps them. But what it also does is it puts me out there. I've got no, there's no skeletons in the closet. Mm. There's nothing. I'm not hiding anything. What you see is what you get. And what I try and do is I just try and, dive into that because I know it helps client clients like if they like me and they like the person I am, they will come and work with me. Um, and they can also see my work. So funny enough, even though there is 
two types of content that I put out, they work for both designers and clients. So that's the kind of happy sandwich, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> How do you separate the work that you do on YouTube from the work that you do on Instagram? Do you repurpose a lot across those platforms? Do you do content that's totally geared towards, is your YouTube audience different than your Instagram audience? Again, like it's, YouTube is, I, I've always got a plan, Phil. I think, I think that's something that, I think that's something that a lot of people should spend more time building as a plan. You know, I've got a logo course coming out in May. The reason I started YouTube a couple of years ago was to get me good on camera. That was the main reason to do it. So when it came to doing the logo course, I was comfortable. I was happy talking mm. on camera. I was happy mm -hmm. being in front of the camera. And also it was quite interesting to see what content people started enjoying. You know, do they like the case studies? Do they like the real life stuff? Do they like the process stuff? Um, the dog walks. So yeah, the dog walks. Yeah. There's always a dog. There's always a dog in my video somewhere. Um, but you know, I think for me, it was YouTube was a part of my bigger plan, which was this logo course. So I haven't actually posted on YouTube for, or oh, crikey. I mean, COVID didn't help because I actually get somebody into film, and that couldn't happen. Mm. So it's been a while since I've been on YouTube, but it's definitely something I'm going to go back to. But the reason, the reason I bought out, started that YouTube journey was the strategy to get good on camera and whatever else came out, you know, I think there's maybe like 7,000 people subscribers. And I think a lot of them are transferred from, um, you know, what do you call it from Instagram or dribble mm -hmm. or whatever it is. But the main strategy was personal. It was to get better purely to get better on camera. That was my strategy to start YouTube to allow me to build a better logo course. And that, hopefully will make me more money because I'm not crap on camera. So that's, that's the plan. <laughs> that's a, it sounds like the plan worked. Now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. But it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitors' videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. So are you monetizing your brand in other ways besides your course and work for your clients? Are you doing brand deals? Are you doing any kind of promotional videos or any kind of promotional spots within the content that you do? This is, this is a really, I mean, I've watched, I've, 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 I'm a big listener and a big watcher. And I, um, I watch what people do and I mark down what works and what doesn't. And I see a lot of people get to a certain stage 
and then suddenly they're sharing loads of products that are totally irrelevant for quick bucks or they're you know suddenly everybody on the planet is sharing this particular thing and then obviously making cut affiliate wise um for me i've tried and i think i've tried pretty done pretty well like i've tried to stay away from that with a much bigger plan in place i've tried to keep it very me um if i share something i don't so like i happily share mike jander's course and write about it in my email i happily help my friends out if i really trust them and i would use it and i've done it used it myself but i don't want anything from that i'm happy for you just to take that but maybe when my logo course comes out you might shout me out and i think that's that's the kind of that's the kind of way i would like to work so i've seen people get to 10 20 000. They start selling everything possible, everything's with their face on, you know, anything to make a quick buck. And then everything just stops. Mm. Everything stops for them. Well, the credibility changes, you know, especially if you're not super careful about what you're endorsing, you know. A hundred percent. And it's something you can see, it's quite see-through. You can see that it's, you can see the, the driver behind it is, monetary and it, it that's all it is it's not really to help anybody mm. it's for money for me uh, or for the person doing it so i've always tried to stay quite true to my to my brand ethos which is kind of op- honest and open and you know i i give a lot you know every every piece of content everything that i share on even youtube on instagram that's all free that takes me time i'm not getting in fact i'm paying my videographer to create that content for people to watch for free. But my plan is bigger. You know, my plan is to, I've always, I've always known that if I can create a space and a voice that people trust, um, they will look after me in the future. And we're, we're going to find out when this logo course drops, if I get nobody buying it, I'll be, I'll tell you what, I'll be starting to sell some shampoo or something on my Instagram. <laughs> I have a feeling your logo course is going to do well. I just yeah. have a feeling. And, yeah. um, and I'll be happy to be an affiliate for it to tell you. The yeah, truth. there you go. I Love would. That. Yeah. And I could, and I would promote it. The funny thing is, as you we were talking, I was like, you know what I should do? I should cut in my ad, the ads that I do Just on there. my podcast, like right <laughs> yeah. after what you're talking yeah. about. But I mean, even the ads that I do on this podcast TubeBuddy, buddy, help me build my YouTube channel, like wholeheartedly yeah. believe in it. You know, um, bring your own laptop with um, Daniel Scott, brilliant Adobe instructor, right? We have a great yeah. relationship. We're good friends, killer teacher, right? So, I mean, wholeheartedly understand it. But then, you know, I get I get pitched all the time for people who are like, we have an ex- a standing desk that we want to send you. And, you know, we promote our standing desk. It's like, dude, do you even watch my channel? Like, do you even understand yeah. what I do? So I cannot cannot abide that. I have a question about your agency, though. I mean, sure. I know that developing content and doing courses and all that sort of stuff, because I've done that too, takes a buttload of work, right? And it takes yeah. a whole lot of different subject matter experts from tech people who understand tech stacks and email funnels and how all this all this tech interacts with each other. Do Who else do you use besides your partner in your agency? Um, who else do you use in terms of partners to develop the work that you do, either content or design work? So I do everything. 
Okay. So I, I wow. design all my I design all the logos. I do all my content. Everything you see yeah. has been done by my hand. Um with reference to like new territory. I mean, I've got my process down, you know, with especially with when it comes to logo design, when it comes to creating content. I'll just, I mean, I'm creating the content for my client. I'll just share that. But for these new ventures, for example, like I've been getting, I've had a couple of coaching calls with Mike Janda, our, our, our mate, you know, and he's mm-hmm. helping, you know, I'm learning from these people. I was, I've got a, a part of like Tom Ross's community, um, um, what do you call it? Yeah, kind of closed community where it's all about learning how to build engaged members. So I, like I said, I'm always very curious and I don't know how to, I know the content. I know I can shoot the video. I know the course is going to be great. But how do I also get people to a sign up to it? Yeah, launch it. Get it. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing. The launch strategy behind it. You Huge. Know, and I've had, had, yeah, it's, it's make or break, isn't it? Ultimately, um, but I have had experience. You know, I've kind of I've I've built my own newsletter from scratch. You know, with you know, with certain kind of incentivizers. And I know the process of that, you know, I've recently like launched a book. So I've, I've had like a very good eye opening into like, um, you know, pre-orders process, marketing strategies with that. And I think once you start to get into a bit of a groove, you say, well, that didn't work, that worked, do more of that and all the rest of it. And, you know, luckily I've, in a position now where I know a lot of really nice people like yourself who want to be affiliates for the logo, logo James Martin course made by James, um, you know, and that by itself, but that, I mean, I can reach the people that I've got and that's like 1.5 million followers that I can get to, you know, straight away. But that wouldn't have been able to happen without building that, I suppose, would you would you call career collateral, collateral and trust? You know, mm-hmm. if I was just some chump who never shows up and came to you and said, "Phil, I've got a logo course. Can you promote it in front of your audience?" You and you haven't been giving like, values to them for three years before that, right? Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I mean, you know, I'm definitely gonna like yourself. Probably, I'm a big on like if I if I'm gonna use something. I will be a part of sharing it, affiliate or whatever it is. But like you, if somebody says, can I send you this, you know, like loads of time, because I do like sketches, like time lapses, like I get people sending, yeah. trying to send me their camera or their kind of like weird cool tripod thing, you know, and all they, they all I ask for is like five posts and a story. And I'm like, I'm just not that guy. Just and also what I'm using at the moment works perfectly fine. So I don't really just want to get stuff to have to talk about it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think I've kind of gone off t- tangent a little bit. But yeah, so when it comes to content, this is what it's all you. Does it? It's yeah. all you. Do you, and do you repurpose your content anywhere else? I mean, you also let's well let me segue. Let, let's talk about your email list and the newsletter. So yeah. when in your career arc did you say, hey? I got to develop an email list. And then how did you go about doing that? What did your, your newsletter look like in the very beginning? And then what was in it? What's in it now? Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, it started at nothing, you know, it's only, I've only been building it probably for the last, I think three years and I haven't been building it, haven't been building it solidly. Um, um, But so the reason I did it is because I, A, I didn't have one, and through lots of research, talking to the right people, I realized how stupid I was. 
um email is massive you know um um yeah that data is so important so that was obviously just kind of speaking to other d design leaders and people who build email lists and all the rest of it you know i get i was just bumbling along as a happy creative drawing stuff and sharing stuff and you know like i said like when it started to kind of when plans started to you know really kind of manifest and like right this is where i want to be how do i get you know this logo course has been happening for five years yeah so th this point in may has been built started was being built five years ago so it's about building i say that collateral that trust you know and then it was email newsletters so the the reason i started was i spoke to a, a friend of mine tom ross um he was like have you got a newsletter we got one for baby giant but i didn't really have one for made by james and the audience mm. audiences are slightly different you know um i'm you know so i started building one for made by james so how that started was basically just a process of hype you know i'm going to be starting starting a newsletter and sharing my thoughts and it's going to be the place where you ever everything everything that i is going on in my mind happens there first so it was kind of building up the suspense or and but also like giving them a reason to join you know i think giving people a reason to join something is a great way to get them to join <laughs> you know so you how, know, often, so I, how often do you put it out so i put out a newsletter i'm on holiday at the moment but it's every monday okay and is Once it just a, a is it like a blog post musing do you put resources in there do you put art in there what do you yeah so basically feature so other I've artists got, yeah so what i've got is i've got a what i call my logo designers black book which is basically um, a depository of free downloads. So I've created like little PDFs, little five, six page PDFs on like how to create custom type, how to, um, how to price work as when you're starting out as a creative, you know, little case studies, um, basically you know, lots of little, I think there's about eight to 10 on there. So when they sign up, they get access to all of that that free stuff. Mm. So that's the kind of lead magnet to get them in. Yeah. But once I'm, but obviously when the stuff that I'm talking about every week is, um, there's a lot of mindset stuff. There might be some case studies on different projects that I'm working on. Um, there's events, obviously people that I'm speaking to podcasts, um, live chats on Instagram. Um, sometimes I do, um, like what I would call community-based challenges. So they'll I'll put like a little brief out there because the majority of them are logo designers and young creatives um, looking to kind of find their way in the world. So, yeah, it's kind of a nice mixture of fun, friendly musings um, and value. I always try and leave some something that they can take away into their day life. Mm -hmm work career um that's something that i always try and base all the content that i create around is what value can they take to use for themselves i'm not going to tell anybody how to do stuff i'm going to tell them how i do it and if they want to take that value out it's theirs it's theirs for freebies so um yeah that's the kind of plan well, James, man, it's been awesome, awesome talking to you. And so I want to tie this up with some some very quick questions, all right? So we're going to do the rapid fire 10, which anyone's listening to the podcast know I've been piloting this new kind of fun thing at the end. 
and then um, and then we're gonna ask the big the big question. And so, you ready for the rapid fire ten, James? Yeah, I do, but I'm I'm severely dyslexic, so it takes my right. brain a little bit of time to go. So it's all right. We'll, we'll edit out the pauses. We'll edit out the silences where you're kind of processing. <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll be a lot of them. Yeah. And I'll warn you, there's one question in here. I've only been doing this for like four or five podcasts, but there's one question in here which stumps people. Like, there's always like a thirty second pause, and people are like, "Oh no, what? Like they cannot like process it." And so I'm going to see if it stumps you because the last person I did it with, it didn't stump her at all. Like she knew it immediately. Amy McGlynn like knew the answer to this question immediately. So we'll see. Okay. You ready? Number one, what's your spirit animal? Wolf. Number two, morning person or night person? Morning. Number three, beach or mountains? Mountains. Number four, dog person or cat person? Dog. Dog. I know that. (laughs) What's your secret talent most people don't know that you can do? Um, I'm very good at sport or used to be very good at sport. I used to be like county, county cricket, county rugby, England trialist, trialistic cricket. So I was a very, I mean, this big chubby exterior now used to be a lot thinner and a lot sportier. Um, So yeah, sport. Yeah, I was a very good sportsman. Okay. Number six, favorite song of all time. Dire Straits, The Chain. Awesome. Favorite place in the world? UK. Home. Okay. What's the one thing you would love to master? Human psychology. All right. Number nine, who's your hero? My mom and my dad. Number 10, finally, what's the one thing that you would tell your 20-year-old self? Keep going. All right. Love it. Okay. Final question. Big question I always ask my guests at the very end. Do you have a personal manifesto or some sort of a mantra that you try to live your life by? Effort is free. Love it. Wow. You had that at the ready. Uh, Well, I have it at the ready because I've got it engraved on my pencils. I've got it engraved on my ring. Um, It's something stuck up on my wall. Um, Yeah. So when did that... you're one of the few people I know who has a mantra on their wall. So when did that mantra come into your life? When did that epiphany happen? Yeah. So it came, came to me a couple of years ago. Um, and basically, yeah, I've, I've always been very driven and worked very, very, very hard. And people, people like always like you put so much effort in, you put so much effort in. And then I realized like fairly recently that, basically I could be anything I want to. And the Mm. amount of effort that I put in is mine. You know, I'm in control of the effort. I am in control of whether I get up on time, how long I stay and work, you know, especially working for yourself. You know, I'm in control of everything that I do. So I'm in control. As soon as I realized I'm in control of the effort and it's mine to give and it's free, you know, it just takes, takes me doing it. You know, obviously, I know you need food to buy. And if you want to look into it deep, deep down, but, you know, effort, effort is free is something that whenever I'm feeling like I can't really be bothered a little Mm. bit, I'm like, effort's free, you know, it costs you nothing, you know, so go get up and do it. And that's something I live by every day now. Absolutely. Love it. So name your book, name your course. <laughs> well, I haven't quite labeled the course yet, but okay, um, well, let's start with the book then. Yeah, so the book is made by James, uh, which is great, great, okay. for me, great for SEO. Um, so yeah, the um, the honest guide to creativity and logo design, and then yeah, the course is 
dropping in May. Um, and I haven't quite quite know what I'm going to call that yet. I've got a couple of things and I've also got a couple of uh, trademark things happening at the moment. So okay. I can't say too got much it. stuff, but, but it's going to be really, really good. Really, okay. really good. <laughs> and and I'm going to be affiliate. So and Phil's going to be an affiliate. Yeah, so so um, find it here when sure. he launches. You're going to buy it Love through that. my link. Um, yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> so, so James, where if people want to engage with you, where's the best place for them to find you and or reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, if you look up Made by James into Google, just type that. I'm, I'm around, which is really cool. Uh, but I mean, I love chatting to new people. So if you want to find me on Instagram, it's just type in Made by James. If YouTube Made by James, you can come and find me on my website, which is themadebyjames.com. Um, but just type in Made by James. Come and say hi. You'll find me. Uh, just don't type in James Martin. James Martin's the chef. And he's not going to get you. And I'm not, okay. I'm, I'm not going to, you're not going to get me. So if, I if they want to subscribe to your newsletter, how they, how do they do that quick? Uh, they can head, if you just type in um, www.thelogoblackbook.com, you'll head straight to my sign up page. Um, or you can just head to my website and there's a little tab at the top, which says newsletter. Um, so yeah, come and come and say hi. I'll drop lots of freebies and lots of fun and lots of honesty which is um which is nice in a world that's not so honest i like <laughs> so james martin made by james co-founder of baby giant design company thank you so much for coming on and talking to us at the brand design masters podcast this has been awesome and we got to make sure to have you back phil it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for getting me involved and this will not be this will be the start of a bromance i know it so absolutely if you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.